Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe Do You Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today is a deep dive into Ouija boards. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a little while. And then I mentioned, I don't know how many episodes ago, that I was going to be going to this um, Ouija board workshop, I guess, uh, to try and yeah, just learn a little bit more about it. Thought it was going to be fun. Um, and it was. And so I'm going to share some of my experiences and things that I learned there, as well as go uh, into uh, a deeper dive in the history of the Ouija board. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah, there's. I have like a little fun thing to share. Well, no, that's a lie. I would have shared it today, but since we're going to have a guest on and it has to do with them, I'm going to wait until next week's episode when they're on to, to share that with you guys. So, uh, all right, grab your Bibles, grab your crucifixes, grab your rosaries, and throw some holy water on your yeah. headphones or your listening devices, and uh, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, it's it's uh, going to be kind of a wordy one. I tried to cut some stuff as far as like, well, we'll, we'll get to it, but... Um, there's a lot of history and stuff that goes along with the Ouija board. So hopefully I can do it justice as well as wanted to share some, uh, some fun facts, I guess, about it and some spooky stories. One I think that you'll appreciate because when I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I want to share some of my own personal experiences, a little bit more of what happened at that workshop. And yeah, so let's get into it. And I won't bore you guys with my Ouija board grandpa story because i've told it many times so if you've listened to the podcast you've heard it enough it's true and if you haven't you should go back and listen to some episodes i'm sure they're in there somewhere it's like episode one probably no <clears throat> could be it could yeah. be in one of the eric episodes could be in one of the eric and michelle episodes and sprinkled around throughout the the podcast true well um i guess i, I just kind of wanted to start off with uh when i went to this workshop they before we got started with everything, we were kind of waiting for people to to come. Uh, the the two hosts, uh, they are. I probably should have gotten their names, but they are a, a duo here from Austin called um, Austin Seance, and they put these workshops on and kind of go into the history of the Ouija boards uh, or spirit boards, and then they also do like tea leaf reading stuff and a whole bunch of other kind of um, occult related stuff, I guess. Uh, but it's it's all about like educating and um, getting rid of the stigma, especially with Ouija boards of of what I guess we know or think that they are today. Um, but anyway, while we we're waiting, they're portals to hell. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But uh, they started asking like, oh, um, so did you guys ever play like? this game or that game when you're kids like the uh, charlie charlie or light as a feather stiff as a board and um I, I don't know if i had mentioned it to you but do you ever remember like putting two pencils like in a cross and the one on top kind of like would go back and forth um yeah and i distinctly remember doing that in like middle school and high school and it's like that's just another form of divination um and then they they made a reference to Bloody Mary, which I thought was fitting, considering we had just done a Bloody Mary deep dive. Um, but one of the stories, or one of the games, I guess, that they talked about uh, was how to find out if your house is haunted. 
And we were like, hmm, how do you do that? And so he's like, oh, yeah. So you just turn on some like a music box or you can play the music on your phone. Sorry, um, note for me. <laughs> it gets worse. Then you turn off the lights in your house, all the lights, and you shut all the doors except for one. Mm-mm. And then you nope. have to no, set no, out. No, 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 <laughs> oh, just wait, just wait. <laughs> and then you set out. Uh, I should probably say like caution warning. Do not try this at home. Uh, but then you you put out a glass of water because you always have to offer something to your guests. Uh, and then you start playing the music. And when the music starts, you start or you say out loud, "Spirits, if you're out there, I'm going to hide." And when the music stops, no, you come dude, find okay, me. no, 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 <laughs> dude, I just got this jolt down my back when you said, "Oh no, fuck that!" They can go straight the fuck <laughs> on out of oh, here. Oh my fuck gosh, that. no. And then, no, dude, why? Why would you want to do that? And then he says, in your, I mean, in your own house, like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's like in your own home. But then, so you go find a cozy spot and you sit and you wait for the music for it to, to get stop. Cold. Oh. And then, yeah, then you, when the music stops, then you listen to hear something attempt to find you. Uh, Fuck, and you no, can even dude. take it a step further. And if you're hiding, like, let's say, like in a closet, you take, a, you know, two cans and a string. And you tie no, that other, oh <laughs> you put God, the other can on the other side of the door. And when the music stops, then you can talk into it and see if anything talks back. Uh, and I was like, absolutely not. I was like, that's a, a, the Dude, that's a like the beginning to a fucking horror movie. Exactly. I was gonna say it's a wonderful, you know, introduction of, of a horror movie and how all hell breaks loose. But yeah, isn't that terrifying? Because then can you imagine, like, you're there in the closet and you're listening, and all of a sudden you just hear this voice coming through the fucking can? So, I'm like, in the closet right now, so I, I need to stop, stop, stop. And then all of a sudden, the can just fucking gets yanked stop. out of your hand. Yes, I know. It'd be awful. And I use the closet as a reference, and that was really stupid of me because I'm sitting in the closet by myself right now. But anyway, yeah, so I thought that that was, like, literally how they started it with like oh yeah and it's like how to find out if your house is haunted and that's what they came up with i was like no absolutely not no thank you sorry it's because i was remembering the tiktok that i sent you with a guy taking a bong hit oh yeah so for you for you guys listening uh i don't even i mean maybe we can post it or i don't know anyway it's this guy right and he's uh he goes to sit down and he starts taking a hit from a bong and I guess he doesn't realize that the camera that's next to him also has a, like a two-way feature. So then he's sitting there, he's taking a, a rip from the bong, and you just hear, hello. And you just hear, and he stops like inhaling. And then I don't know if I don't know Did if the girlfriend she yeah, she goes, You should run, or you you better fucking run. Some she says yeah. something to that effect. And the guy just gets up and like skedaddles the fuck out of the room. It was uh, he's like, ah. like, is he like <laughs> he's running with his bong. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the comments shit. are like, "Oh, but he didn't forget his bong. Like he took yeah. it with him." Yeah, that would have that would have been awful. But yeah, so That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I I kind of had a very similar reaction to you, like as he was saying like how to do it, and he got to that part of like, yeah saying what what i told you and i was like yeah and i'm pretty sure 
I need to go back and uh, listen because this is actually this this whole a workshop ended up being a a podcast episode of another podcast I'll, I'll mention later. But um, you oh, can hear it. like the crowd being like, "Oh God, no!" Like, no. <laughs> uh, you were gonna say it was a, it was a whole podcast on how to you know a, a beginner's guide on how to see if your house is fucking haunted. Yeah. Right. No. No. It was, yeah. Anyway. That terrified me too. The other thing too that it's because I'm like I'm just I'm thinking of music box right. There's this one YouTuber that uh, my patient watches that is does a paranormal. Uh, well, he he's learned to do um, paranormal investigation. So he basically just has odd like things paranormal investigators use, and he'll oh, okay. investigate a home or whatever, or his home or his brother's home. Uh-huh. But he has this one little music box thing that's like um, a sensor, a motion sensor. Oh. So uh, I don't know if it does EMF. Uh, anyway, it's like a little um, casket looking music box. And you turn mm-hmm. it on and it plays this creepy ass music when it's calibrating. And then you just leave oh, it there. Oh, my gosh. And then supposedly when something passes in front of it, like the music starts to play. Mm-hmm. So when you of said course. that, like that, that's what I was yeah. thinking about. And then I was also thinking about the other story that you told last week on stories of high strangeness about the chick with the music and that her phone the, the music goes off oh yeah and, then yeah, the, yeah. and, and the, the guy peeks his oh. head in yeah oh, okay i didn't have to I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't want to remember that i had forgotten about it and i was perfectly fine having forgotten Thanks. i have not forgotten about it <laughs> uh well yeah um to continue i i, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh go into the history of spiritualism a little bit because spiritualism is kind of what paved the way for the Ouija board and its journey, I guess. Um, so spiritualism, have you ever heard of the Fox sisters? No. Okay. So one of the greatest religious movements of the 19th century began in the bedroom of these two little girls living in, living in a farmhouse um, in Hayesville, New York. Um, so obviously it's the Fox sisters. But anyway, on a late March day in 1848, uh, Margareta or Maggie Fox, 14, and Kate, her 11-year-old sister, uh, brought in a neighbor into the house because they wanted to share something weird and kind of frightening that was happening in the house. Every night around bedtime, they heard a series of raps or like knocks and taps on the walls and of of, of the walls or uh, furniture. They seemed to manifest with peculiar otherworldly intelligence. Um, so basically, they're able to ask it questions and it would answer. So it'd be like, "How old are you?" And it would, you know, tap however many times. Or, um, "Did you used to live here?" Like once for yes, twice for no, and it would do it. And it, and they would copy. Like if they're like, okay, like copy my pattern, like they would snap their fingers and it would tap back in the same rhythm. So it wasn't just like a, you know, Random. a rat in the wall or something. Yeah. Like it was their intelligent wrappings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they showed this neighbor and this oh, neighbor's kind of like what Tom was talking to us about the, that couple. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, so this neighbor, you know, witnesses this and is like, oh, my gosh, let's go get some other neighbors and then some other neighbors and other neighbors. And they would just spend days on end 
essentially interacting with this, I don't know, spirit, I guess, that it's never really confirmed, kind of, sort of. Uh, the Fox sisters had this whole falling out and had said that it was all a hoax and then like went back on it and said, just kidding, because, I mean, they blew up. They became like the must-see duo. You know, people were coming to their seances like they would perform for hundreds of people at a time. I'm um, assuming this was after like the witch trials and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 1848. I don't. I'm just trying to think when the witch trials even were. So, um, are you gonna Google it? Yeah, you keep okay. going. All right. Um. So this, I've you know very quickly just did like a brief little thing about the Fox sisters. I mean, they have a whole history. That's a whole other deep dive in and of itself. Um, but this began the fad of seances. And shortly after that, a man named Andrew Jackson Davis, Andrew Jackson Davis. Sorry, oh, I thought started, the president. I know. I, I said it that way. And I was like, wait, let me clarify. Andrew Jackson Davis um, started the spiritualist movement, I guess. Um, and spiritualism wasn't a, a religion to begin with. Uh, they thought themselves as like... They thought of themselves as scientists that were like going to figure out what happens to us after we die. Um, so it was, yeah, very scientific, not woo-woo, I guess, like it is now. Um, and then, of course, you know, in the aftermath of the Civil War with so many husbands and fathers and sons that died, uh, spiritualism or the belief that, you know, the dead can speak to the living um, just gained steam and momentum and people were desperate to be able to connect to their departed loved ones and just wanted to you know to know if there is a greater meaning to their own lives like that there's something after um two de two decades later from that night in march over 11 million americans considered themselves spiritualists Dude. 11 million of 36 million people that it's were in the third. united states yeah so literally one in three people believed that you could talk to people after death. Um, I mean, e literally even U.S. presidents were were holding seances in the White House. Abraham Lincoln and his wife, you know, they For lost a son. son. Yeah. And they were doing it and stuff like that. So this was this wasn't everyone was doing it. Literally everyone was doing it. Uh, the spiritualists even had Sunday school like like we did. We had to get religion classes. Uh, so it was literally a bunch of kids gathering in a room and holding a seance like that's Damn. what it was uh, and there yeah it's i mean that's just like one example of how innocent spirit communication was back then and you know it wasn't creepy and scary like it is nowadays um and then obviously as things do spiritualism kind of morphs as it spreads throughout the united states uh, and as it comes down south, it actually becomes like evangelicalism, like so the stake handlers, the speaking in tongues, like that is a branch of spiritualism. I know I was kind of blown away to hear that. Um, I, I mean, it even goes into Mexico, too. I don't know exactly what in what ways, I guess, but I guess I would assume just spirit communication, just like with everything else. Spiritualism eventually spreads throughout the rest of the world, and because it was very hands-on, people start coming up with different ways to make communication with the dead easier, um, and that's when we get the planchette, and like we'll get into how the planchette even became a planchette, and yeah, a little bit more of the history of the board itself and the planchette, I guess, too. Um, 
Any questions so far? No. Well, I have a question for you. What part of the planchette? And you know that the planchette's the little like heart-shaped triangle thing, With right? the spyglass in the middle. Yeah. Just if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about. You got the board with the letters and numbers, and then you have the planchette that slides across the board. Um, but yeah, what part of the planchette do you use to determine what letter it lands on? Do you use the tip or do you use the window? I used to think it's the, it was the window, but is it not the tip? It doesn't matter because it was mm-hmm. never even part of the board to begin with. Um, but you can decide like you have to decide that at the start of it like you're with a group of people and you have to everyone has to agree that we're going based off of the point or the little window either either way works i will say pointing no the window was a little hard to see um because we were so far away from it that we couldn't look over the top uh the planchette came way after the board the, the original planchette was actually a top hat. Uh, they would put letters and numbers and stuff down on the table, and then they would all place their hands, just like you do for regular planchette, uh, and it starts sliding around the table. So they didn't even need a planchette to begin with. Uh, obviously, the Ouija board seems like it doesn't have that long of a history, but there are actually different versions of Ouija boards that have been recorded as far back as 1100 AD in China. And historical documents prove that some sort of planchette-like thing was used, but with a a piece of paper instead of the board that that we know today. Like I said, they they would use these tables that had letters and numbers and a top hat, and eventually they moved on to table tipping. And I don't know if you know what that is. Everyone just puts their hands on the table. And and then if it floats and stuff. Yeah, sometimes it like jumps or like hops or like will lean. Um, but the problem with table tipping was that it took way too long to spell out messages. So sitters or like, you know, people who were in the, the seance, uh, got really bored at just the table rocking back and forth to spell out messages. So, so they actually began putting pencils on the bottom of the legs and then they would put paper underneath the table and it would like start to write or draw stuff out on the paper. The table essentially got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it became what we know today as the planchette. So the little triangular thing. And so it had like two little wheels on the back and then you would put the pencil in the front. Um, And that would obviously be the thing that would like write words or images or letters. They also used to use a basket. uh, Same concept where you put the pencil inside the basket and it it wrote stuff out. But... um, yeah, that was, I guess, a more early version of, of a planchette. Spiritualists immediately discovered that in addition to writing messages, the planchette could perform as a pointer and setting the stage for the talking boards to come. Automatic writing was actually used in necromancy and spirit communication um, and other medium, mediumistic spirit writing uh, was practiced in ancient India, Greece, medieval Europe, Rome. So like this is early 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 stuff like they they've been doing this for centuries you know i get at this point um a lot of mediums at this point are like all right screw the boards and the tables and the planchettes like and kind of what we know a medium today where they just get transmitted information from spirit Mm -hmm. kind of thing um you know in, in an altered state of consciousness 
and they'd go into trances and that's how they would communicate. Um, and then other people or other mediums eliminated the planchette, but kept the pencil and the automatic writing. I've been told to like, you literally will write stuff and not realize that you're writing it. And like, when you go back and read it, you're like, Oh shit. Like I solved my own problem. Or, um, you can just get a piece of paper and ask a question to whoever or whatever and then just start writing what you think is nonsense. Um, and the better you get at it, then it's like the words and messages will start coming out clearer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's automatic writing. But then there's also people that were like the complete opposite end of the spectrum where they felt that it was crucial to use the right equipment if they were going to contact the spirit world properly. Um, these resourceful individuals built like these weird gadgets and crazy looking table contraptions and stuff uh, with moving needles and letter wheels. And uh, it was obvious that these early machines suffered from like over engineering and not, not lack of communication or, or uh, sorry, imagination. Yeah. So that was the history of, of the board and how it, there's still more to it as far as the creator and how it became what it looks like today because that was the whole who was the original creator is such a shit show of a like thing to figure out uh some people go really deep into who possibly started it and then other people are like nah we're just gonna ignore all that and we're just gonna start here because it's what's documented so it really is hard to say who the true creator of the Ouija board was like I said, I mean, there's different versions of it used throughout the world centuries ago. Um, so it wasn't like a brand, brand new idea, but the the idea of a board and a planchette with the letters, you know, like we know um, that didn't come until the late 1800s. So it's thought that the board was invented by an American lawyer named Elijah Bond in 1890. But an article in the New York New York Daily Tribune in 19, er, 1886 describes a board that sounds exactly like the Ouija board um, that we know today. So we know it was something that was used in seances uh, before someone decided to take a patent out on it and mass produce it, basically. Um, this new board from the, from the Daily Tribune article was amazing because it was simple to make and required absolutely no understanding, skill, or mediumistic training to to do or to use it. Um, or that's what they told people. <laughs> and when the message indicator uh, moved by itself, in quotes, from letter to letter to spell out a message, it looks genuinely magical and like, holy shit, it's moving by itself and we're communicating with something. Um, so maybe this was a new invention, but again, like we don't know who started it because yeah, again, and I didn't go into detail in the article, but it states like, oh, out in Ohio, everyone's using these, you know, talking boards and it describes exactly like, oh, it has letters and numbers and yes and no, like that's literally exactly what the Ouija board looks like. So yeah. 1886 at the very earliest, you know. Rec recorded kind of thing um but right around the same time one of the nation's largest toy makers ws reed toy company of uh leominster massachusetts <laughs> put out a device pretty similar to the 
quote unquote new planchette. And we don't know if this was like reaction to to or possibly the reason for the craze. Uh, but he like we can only guess like if he was trying to get ahead of it or if he was the one who started it. Uh, but he called it the witch board. It was described like this. Upon the four corners of the board are respectively yes, no, goodbye, and good day, while the alphabet occupies the center of the board. A uh, miniature standard which rests up four legs, the little planche thing, uh, stand upon the witch board uh, upon which the hands are placed, and then the spirits begin their work. Should an answer be yes or no, the small table will travel to the respective corner, and etc. Communications are spelled out by the diminutive table resting over such letters as may be wanted to spell out the message. And that was in the Boston Globe in June 5th, 1886. Uh, although Reed would trademark another similar item, the Espirito, until 1891, other interested parties leapt aboard the talking board bandwagon with a few, within a few short years. The first patent was filed on May 28th, 1890, and granted on February 10th, 1891, uh, lists Elijah Bond as the inventor and the signees as Charles K. Kennard and William H.A. Maupin of Baltimore, Maryland. So we don't know if they already knew about Reed's earlier witch board or if they just like said, oh, we're going to steal that and just blatantly patent it first, basically. Because um, again, we know talking boards are being used. He is obviously the, this other guy is obviously the first one to have made something and it's documented because there's, you know, newspaper articles about it. And then all of a sudden this, you know, Elijah Bond makes the first patent. Uh, and he was a lawyer. So if he saw, like, you can imagine that if he saw this thing that was becoming very popular, you know, he's a lawyer. He's going to, he's going to think, well, I could make a lot of money off of this. You know, people are just, you know, selling it like that. I can make a patent, yeah. get all the money for myself. You know, so he probably went after the patent because of his background. Yeah, like, and he knew he could do it. I mean, honestly, this whole, like, the creators and who has the patents and people disrespecting those patents and getting sued and then someone gets bought out and then someone dies and gets bought. Like, it's, they could make a whole, like, fucking TV novella just on this. I feel like it was, it was a lot. The curse of the Ouija board. <laughs> I mean, we'll just wait. <laughs> Um, so Charles Kennard stated that he named the new board Ouija, pronounced Ouija. I don't know if you knew that. Ouija. Yeah. After a session with, uh, Miss Peters, who is Elijah Bond's sister-in-law. And he is quoted as saying, I remarked that we had not yet settled upon a name. And as the board had helped us in other ways, we could ask it to propose one. It's spelled out O-U-I-J. When I asked the meaning of the word, it said, good luck. Miss Peters thereupon drew, thereupon drew upon her neck a chain, which had uh, a locket. On it, a figure of a woman, and at the top of the word, Ouija. She, we asked her if she had thought of the name, and she said she had not. So, 
I don't know if you're following. She had the she had the word Ouija on her locket. Yeah. And so they asked her, did you like make this up or Yeah. And she says she didn't. Um and it says when they adopted or sorry. And then he continues to say, sorry, we then adopted the word and there there were present Mr. Bond, his wife, his son, Miss Peters, and myself. So it's like all the people who witnessed this happen um but yeah so that i mean the word was written on on her locket so they of course assumed like did you do it she's like no i didn't but they didn't realize that it was on her locket until after the fact yeah um what what if the board was just like good luck figuring that shit out yeah i mean well and then that's the other thing is there's like different I've heard also that Ouija is like the Egyptian word for yes or something like that. A, ru- um, a Russian? Or Egyptian. What word? I'm sorry. Oh, Egyptian word. Egyptian. Um, but now you have me second guessing and I'm like, is it Russian? Oh, but no, I'm no, pretty no. sure it's, it's Egyptian. No, you cut out. So I didn't know oh. if you said Egyptian or Russian. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, that's why I was sh- asking. Pretty sure. But now See, I'm just second guessing myself because I do. You said that one guy called it called it the witchboard. So I was like, oh, maybe it evolved from like witchboard, and they wanted to make it sound cooler. So they they called it the Wicca board, and they're like, now nah, let's be original. And they were just like, oh, the Ouija board. Oh no, it was just written on a locket, and supposedly means good luck, but I don't think so. Uh, so but then Kennard claimed to be the inventor of the Ouija board. So th- this is one of the three guys who signed the patent, basically. Um, in a series of letters to the Baltimore Sun in 1919, um, he discussed, you know, or he wrote about how he was the sole inventor, having uh, that in 1886, the year of the talking board craze, uh, he had put together this like shitty version of a, of a board. And he used like a cake board and a table with four legs and a pointer and, you know, marking pencil or uh, marking the alphabet and numbers and stuff in pencil and next to his office i guess i don't know they there was like these big buildings where you could like rent out office space kind of thing and so you would have like a carpenter with like an inventor with like a god knows who who else uh but yeah basically across the hall was uh this cabinet maker by the name of ec reesh um and kennard's like hey since you make coffins and cabinets can you make these ouija boards and so he's like yeah sure so he made one uh but then once i was like okay well we're gonna mass produce these the guy was like i can't do that like it's you know too much of a heavy workload basically um and so he starts shopping the idea around baltimore trying to find someone who will produce these and then that's when kennard met elijah bond um who made like several improvements to the overall design of it. Like he was the one who actually decided that it should be put like kind of like curved, like in a semicircle pattern. Um, and then felt, uh, that like cushions on the, uh, the planchette would make it easier to, to slide, slide around, around basically. Yeah. Uh, Cause they used to have wheels too. But yeah, so then obviously Bond joined with Kennard as manufacturers under the Kennard Novelty Company, uh, where they started that company. Uh, Elijah Bond 
you know, agreed with Kennard, but clarified that he was the one who incorporated the company and had full control. Um, he was the major stockholder. So it's like, yeah, okay, Kennard created it, but it's still mine because I patented it. I did all the, you know, things that needed to be done. So, and yeah, they, they basically, Kennard eventually starts trying to like screw him over and um, making different versions of the Ouija board. And he like goes to Canada and England and France trying to create these things. But Bond is like, the fuck are you doing? And just sues him basically and makes him stop. Uh, But then, yeah, after going to London and failing to successfully exploit the patent in, in 1892, Bond was forced to sell his shares and, you know, kind of relinquish his part of the company. That's what I was trying to tell you. Like, it's a shit show of, like, I feel like it was a race of who could mass produce this first to get ahead. And then, I mean, yeah, I'm only, like, halfway through, like, the rest of the ownership. But, like, it just, it keeps getting worse. Yeah, so I guess this is, like, the darker side of the Ouija origin story. And it's kind of that Ouija curse that, that you talked about. And by the early 1890s, something like 2,000 Ouija boards were already being were being sold a week. Um, Damn, two thousand a week. Yeah, two thousand a week. William F- Fold, who worked for and invested in the Kenner Novelty Company, uh, eventually gained control of the Ouija business after the founder cashed out too early. Basically, um, he went on to make millions man- manufacturing the board in Baltimore and elsewhere, but only after his brother was cut out of the company. There were ensuing lawsuits, um, and it was just just to be assholes. Like they didn't have to do these lawsuits, but they were just so pissed at each other. Um, and William's brother Isaac became so embittered that he had his baby daughter uh, exhumed and relocated from the Fold family gravesites during a like cemetery renovation, and like literally the two sides of the family would not speak to each other for 96 years. God damn. Can you imagine? Ugh. But tragically, William Fold would suffer a fatal accident at his Harf- uh, Harfer Avenue factory. That was the factory that he claimed in a 1919 Baltimore Sun story that the Ouija board had told him to build it. Um, and he ended up dying in it. That it said, prepare for big business. Uh, Overseeing the installation of a flag, an iron railing gave way and he fell off the roof of the structure, uh, which still stands and has been converted into a senior apartment complex. Uh, (laughs) That's amazing. On on his deathbed, the coroner's reports said a broken rib pierced his heart. He made his children promise to never sell the Ouija out of the family, says Merck. Of course, they did sell, uh, but not for for four decades uh, to the Parker Brothers, which promptly moved the Ouija the Ouija board to the base of operations in Salem, Massachusetts. What I think, which I think is very fitting. And in 1967, the first year it was headquartered in the town infamous for the witch trials, Ouija sold two million boards. Oh, the irony! Right. Yeah, by comparison, like Monopoly, it, well, I guess an early version of it in 1903 wasn't popular until the Great uh, the Great Depression, uh, supposedly because it fulfilled some kind of like 
fantasy escapism. I was going to say, we lost our little mo- all our money, so let's play with this fake money. Yeah. And pretend we're rich. Yeah. Um, so, like, this had to kind of gain momentum before it became popular. But the Ouija, like, as soon as they put it out on the market, it was just, it was in sensation, uh, sensation from the onset. And then obviously that was long before its first film appearances. It's because I'm just imagining, like, the, the senior home or whatever, the apartments that they got oh, turned yeah. into. Uh-huh. Just like everybody who walks in there, here, you get a free you Ouija, get a Ouija board. board. You yeah, get a Ouija, you Ouija board. You can talk to your friends who've passed away. Oh, when they pass away. <sighs> Jesus, so dark. Stay connected. Oh my God. Wow. Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, in early 1999, sorry, fast forwarding quite a bit. Uh, after 33 years, Parker Brothers stopped manufacturing the classic fold Ouija board. Um, so if you happen to find an old board like let's say at an antique shop if it says william fold and spelled f-u-l-d um it's like one of the og uh ouija boards ouija boards yeah um but yeah anything after 1999 like i said they they stopped and they made a smaller less detailed glow-in-the-dark version um Today, it may be accurate to say that there is a renaissance happening, uh, and Hasbro, who currently owns Parker Brothers, upped their game in 2008 by introducing a pink version for teen girls. (laughs) Then, in 2013, they stunned everyone by breaking tradition completely with a redesigned much darker theme Ouija board equipped with a light-up planchette that automatically illuminates hidden messages on the board. Still small by yesterday's Ouija board standards but it, like they're trying I guess <laughs> you know and yeah that's that's kind of like the crazy history of like where it started who actually created it and like what what it became and all the drama that ensued I'm t- and I'm telling you like I had to cut down the drama of the creators and patent people who were holding the patents a little bit because it was it kept going like it, it was a lot but then comes hollywood and the the innocence of the ouija board or at least it's like non-partisan relationship between good and evil like there was no bad or good i guess um kind of gave way to a more sinister reputation as hollywood began utilizing it for darker purposes after uh, movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, uh, in which actress Linda Blair's character Regan explains Re- Regan 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 explains to her mom um, how she used the family's Ouija board to ask questions to Captain Howdy, the demon who obviously is the one who takes possession of her soul. Um, and then after that, the board's occult status was cemented and it now became a portal to evil um since then it's shown up in more than 20 films and made uh countless appearances in the ever-growing number of paranormal themed tv shows forums around the ouija board associated phenomenon populate the internet of course there's a lot of stories on reddit i did Um, something bad what did you do I looked up Linda Blair Exorcist. Oh, why would you do that? Because I was trying to get the pronunciation of the name. I'm sure it's Reagan, but oh. I was, and then, yeah, so that, that was not good. not smart. <laughs> um, let's see. 
Um, and yeah, since then it's, you know, been showing up in, on lots of movies and TV shows and, uh, most recently in 2014, the movie Ouija did so well at the box office that they made a Ouija too. Um, and yeah, it's doesn't show any, uh, it's not going to slow down any signs of slowing down or not being anything other than what people associate it with now, I feel like. Um, but it was funny that like, because of these movies, um, sales for the Ouija boards like skyrocketed again. <laughs> and, uh, there were petition petitions by evangelical Christian groups and Catholic groups trying to ban Ouija boards from, you know, popping up and just being sold wherever. Um, and then, yeah, I wanted to actually talk about like some little fun facts and things that I learned as, um, as I was researching this, uh, we, we did talk about a couple of different names, like the witch board, uh, the Egyptian luck board, um, talking board, uh, and there's quite a few others that I just didn't list. There are actually novelists and poets and stuff who claim that their works are from using a Ouija board, like it's coming from beyond, um, it's the first iteration of Chad GPT. Oh, pretty much, honestly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, and and it's like famous poets, like you know, or and authors like you know Sylvia Plath and uh, James Merrill. But Merrill Merrill used notes from the Ouija. He called them consultations. Ouija consult consult consultations uh, in his five hundred and sixty page epic poem. The Changing Light at Sandover, which contained messages from W.B. Yeats, uh, friend Maya Darwin, who I guess had passed away, and Archangel Michael. This this fun fact I thought was hilarious. Um, a lady named Pearl Graham used the board to contact 17th, uh, 17th century Spencer named uh, Patience Worth. Oh wait, no. This isn't the funny thing. It's coming up though. And through that, uh, con and through that contact, created a large collection of poems and plays, and became pretty popular. And that was the weird part: is like Pearl had no education, so she couldn't have written Anything. and then written something this, you know, this great. Um, if she wasn't getting help, I guess, right, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then later on in 1917, author and self-proclaimed medium, Emily Grant Hutchins, Hutchings, wrote a book called Jap Haran and claimed that it was written by Mark Twain seven years after his death. And she contacted him through the Ouija board and, you know, Sam Clemens is Mark Twain. Uh, but the Sam Clemens estate got pretty upset about the claim. So obviously they're like, get rid of these books. And they were forced to take the books off the shelves. And then you were, oh, I was going to say, dude, can you imagine just like sitting there and like you're with the Ouija board letter by letter writing out an entire fucking book? So that was one of the comments that these guys made of like, you you were doing it with a pencil so you could get words and drawings and then he's like, and then some dumbass decided, let's put each letter to where it has to slide across. Now it went from like being able to type to like 
one finger like typing trying to figure out um so it just slowed down the process and that's why i said earlier some you know mediums were like fuck it i'm just gonna like sit here in a trance and (laughs) just get the message more directly um which i mean yeah it makes sense but anyway yeah so yeah so this lady you know claimed to have written this book and the new york times reviewed the book and said if this is the best mark Twain mark twain can do from the other side he should respect borders Oh, that's fucked up, dude. <laughs> Fucking roasted a dead guy. That's awful. Um, but yeah. Or basically just telling the woman your book is trash. No, I mean, that's exactly what what they're saying. But that's got to suck, you know. To, and then to use Mark Twain, who is like such a prolific writer kind of thing, and you just get shot on. <laughs> Sucks. That's hilarious. And it was, it was just, I, I wrote this as a bullet because it was funny, like, Knowing how long seances had been going on, and that there is like spirit, uh, spiritualism, like religion classes, basically, and kids were holding seances, and it was like a after dinner activity that you did, or did you know with like children? It's like where were all the possessed kids back in the day? Like there should be just a shit ton of possessed kids if everyone was using a fucking Ouija board, and there's there's not any of that. Again, because it didn't happen until it started coming out in these movies. Um, But then you have to think, like, in the 19th century, people had a much different relationship with death than we do today. Uh, It was, you know, it was much closer to their everyday experience. Like, people were living to, like, 50 years old. Like, you were old as fuck if you made it to 50. And you know, now we do everything we can in hopes to avoid aging and let alone like dying. dying. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, in the 1800s and stuff, people only lived, like I said, to be 50 and mothers would have 12 children and only six of them would make it. Um, their parlor rooms were also their funeral rooms. Like it just, that was part of life. And I guess as you know, medicine has come and science and all these other things like we've been able to extend our lives and now we run from it and very like existential thought like weirdly i have been thinking about death a lot and not in the sense that like i want death but like i feel like grandma's passing was a huge lesson in death and if you ask me like what i thought about death you know a little over two years ago to now like it's very different um and not that i don't fear it but i'm not as fearful as like i have been in the past i guess mm-hmm. like for me it's like well shit that would suck but it would suck more for whoever i left behind but i'd be in a different place and i probably wouldn't even care when i'm over there like nothing is gonna matter and it happens like I yeah. can't it's part of life. I can't I can't do anything about it. But there are so many people who like that thought like they want to run completely different direction kind of thing. Um but yeah, I don't know. Sorry, got a little dark there. But Yeah. I mean I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't know what I think about it. Um I know for me it's still something that kinda is scary because i i think about you know 
like family. And I feel like, or I think about if I die, you know, is she going to be okay? Yeah. You know, is my wife going to be okay? You know, uh, or, you know, I guess maybe it's a narcissistic way to think about it. Like, because I think, you know, will you be okay? Like, I know you'll be okay. Like, you know, not like financially and stuff like that. Obviously, I might (laughs) contribute to your financial wealth or status or whatever. But, you know, like I wouldn't want you guys to, obviously you're going to miss me, but I wouldn't want you to dwell on me being gone. You know what I mean? No, Like yeah. that concerns me more than me actually dying. Yeah. and I also don't want to die though. No, no, no. Yeah, right. Cause, uh, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like I don't want anyone to think that I'm like, I'm going to go be reckless because I don't care. Like obviously I have things that I still want to do in this life um, and I would love to to be able to do them. But right, like tomorrow is not guaranteed. I think that's the thing that I learned with grandma was I it was like a therapy session. And I was like bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I can't I can't even think about life without her or her not being here. And and she's like, but that's what's going to happen. And then what? And then what do you do? And I was like, what do you mean? What do I do? She's like, what do you do? Do you just lay down on the floor and cry and curl up in a ball and just not live your life? Or do you think that she would want you to, you know, be okay and do what you need to do and and get on and live your life? And I'm like, okay, well, obviously she didn't even want me to cry <laughs> when I would visit her. So I I know what she would want. And like at the end of the day, like that's kind of now my mindset of like, not that I won't grieve, obviously it still brings tears to my eyes. So there's still pain, right? But yeah, I know that she would just tell me, I can already hear her voice, like, stop crying. Like, I want to be strong like her too. And not saying crying is bad, guys, <laughs> but um, she wouldn't want me to, yeah, be on the floor in the fetal position just crying. And yeah, yeah and, and sometimes, yeah. And like, I obviously have my moments and I do and I cry and I let it out. And then it's like, all right. Now we wipe those tears, we get back up, and we keep going, right? But to just completely shut down, like, you can't because we still have a life to live. But I don't know, like, it's weird because I feel like she's still here. Yeah. I just just don't see her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get to visit her. No, that's – and that's – I don't know. Yeah, I think you said it better than me, like – there's that like initial like uh, pain and shock of like they're not here physically but yes it's i 100 percent agree with you like it does still like she's very much still around and i think that's why it's important too to talk about people who have passed and and your loved ones and stuff like that because that's what keeps them alive and that's what keeps them around so when you stop talking about them that then they truly do die um so i kind of just want to keep talking about her like she's still around and her sass and all you know yeah okay i i I had pulled some um creepy like ouija board related stories that i wanted to read we're not going to have a whole lot of time so i'm gonna like just quickly do a couple of them because i also want to talk about something else at the very end anyway so it's like there are stories slash like fun facts ish not really fun because they're actually kind of horrible but (laughs) um yeah. So one of them was in December of 1969. 
A British film crew followed John Lennon and Yoko Ono for five days to make a documentary for the television daily news program, uh, 24 Hours. And one segment had John and Yoko in bed um, opening up packages like from fan mail. And both of them laugh while John reads an eerily prophetic letter that said, Dear Mr. Lennon, from information I received whilst using a Ouija board, I believe there will be an attempt to assassinate you the spirit that gave me this information was brian epstein and then yeah there was no mention of like what year it would happen but as we all know he was assassinated and killed by jared um, leto jared leto is this supposed to be a thing oh because they actually made a movie about it and jared leto was the assassin oh, was in the oh movie. okay okay yes i remember now i was like what and so this other creepy thing that happened was in this uh sleepy little town of el cerrito california on march 7th of 1920 the little town made headlines uh and the the headline was whole town ouija mad so what happened was um these police officers were called out to arrest these seven people that had been driven insane after using a Ouija board. Um, so basically, like, it was these neighbors that got together to hold a seance, and the husband of one of the ladies had died. So they thought they were contacting that husband. And they literally, like, boarded up the windows, like, locked themselves into this house. Um, kids started, like, going missing around the neighborhood. Like, shit was just going crazy. So that's when, like, Obviously, other neighbors were uh, freaked out by this, and they called the police. Uh, one of the girls who was inside the house, she was only 15, she was found naked and explained that it was because she could communicate better with the spirits, um, and she had been, like, pulling her hair out. So, I mean, these these people were went completely insane. And then in the following days, the madness actually spread to nearby towns, including one of the police officers who had, I guess, worked the case kind of thing. He, like, ripped off all his clothes and ran hysterically into, like, a local bank. And there is this other guy in this other town that had gotten some message that he needed to go to uh, to that little town, El Cerrito, to kill a demon. And, like, that's what he writ had, like, told someone and as told. he, like, left. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, officials, like, held a town hall meeting and were like, okay, we got to do something about this. And they brought mental health professionals to examine the entire population of uh, 1,200 people. and to prevent- something in the water. N- no, I don't know. If there was, it, it didn't say. But uh, to prevent any future outbreak of Ouija mania, they made the rational decision to ban Ouija boards from city limits. So literally, they're, they're banned in this little town in California. And the only other little story fun fact thing that I wanted to share was the band Mars Volta got an higher oh, album from one of their experiences with the Ouija board. Uh, so guitarist Omar Rodriguez Lopez bought uh, an antique Ouija board at some an- antique store in Jerusalem for singer uh, Cedric. And... They would use it after the shows on the tour bus. Like that was just their nightly routine. And they had contacted a spirit named Goliath. And I guess as these communications progressed, Omar started to feel a little freaked out because the spirit started making these demands of them. And he's like, okay, now this is getting 
you know, kind of weird. And then Cedric became super obsessive about the board and just like always wanted to be on it. Uh, so Omar ended up actually burying the board somewhere, but he's literally the only one that knows where it's buried. But that didn't stop the spirit Goliath from making himself known in, in other ways. As they continued to, to work on their album, stuff just started going wrong, like equipment would malfunction and uh, tracks would just vanish off of the computers. The Their drummer quit and then Omar's like home studio was completely flooded. Uh, Cedric suffered from an injury that required like a major surgery on his foot and Goliath's story was the basis for the album, but... The band tried to, to balance, I guess, the chaos that was Goliath, and they made a song called Metatron because nice. he's, yeah, he's supposed to, like, he is who you call in if there's, like, chaos ensuing because of a Ouija board. Like, he'll bring order to it. No wonder he's, well, see, that's the thing is that I remember that one time that web that website that you showed me, like, Metatron is supposed to be my oh yeah, yeah. angel, but I can't find that website, and now, like, other websites that I've looked at have said like it's another angel, mm. but I've always had that Metatron was supposed to be like my yeah uh, guardian angel or whatever. Well, I mean, I think <clears throat> that's perfectly fine. Like grandma had her, you know, favorite. Like, Uriel. Yeah. I don't see why you can't connect with Metatron and feel like he's yours. Um, I mean, it would make sense being that my life is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to just talk to him and be like, hey, help me organize this shit. Um, uh, but the ones like I like super mega like or is are more and more I pray to are Michael for sure and yeah, Raphael. Raphael. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess making this song called Metatron kind of helped and balanced this chaotic album because the album uh, was the Bedlam and Goliath, and it was number one, uh, number three, sorry, on Billboard charts, and that was the best record they had had to date. Looking up on Spotify, we'll listen <laughs> soon. So, there's a theory of how it works that it's not necessarily a spirit moving the planchette, but it's actually us ourselves. Um, the most interesting thing about the Ouija board might be uh, the latest research around around it from the University of British Columbia that shows it actually does work, but just not in the way we might assume. A few years ago, Sydney Fells, professor of electrical and computer engineering at UBC, brought out a Ouija board at a Halloween party attended by graduates or graduate students. Uh, including many who were foreign-born and unfamiliar with how it worked. They assumed it required batteries. Like, no, we don't need batteries. It will just move, he told them. He says, I gave them some uh, mystical explanation tied into Halloween, and they had a good laugh. But lo and behold, when Fields returned later, the grad students were enthralled because a planchette was moving on its own. Or so it appeared. The mechanism at work was actually something known as the ideometer effect, which refers to the influence of the unconscious mind on muscle movements. First identified in 1852, preceding Sigmund Freud's, Sigmund Freud's theory of the unconscious mind by decades, Dr. William Benjamin Carpenter discovered the, the ideometer effect while investigating the unconscious, unconscious, uh, unconscious mind's ability to direct motor activity. Shortly thereafter, 
Other researchers began linking that discovery to, you guessed it, the spiritual phenomenon. Days later, still fascinated by the student's experience, Fells shared the story with a colleague, Ron Rensick. Um, he was a psychology and computer science professor, and that got the ball rolling about whether the board could serve like as a tool to look at un- unconscious knowledge. Uh, We didn't know if we'd find anything, but we did. The results really surprised us, Fels says. When When study participants were asked to answer or guess at a set of challenging questions, they were correct 50% of the time. When they responded while using the board, which participants believed had the ability to receive the correct answers from another person, like teleconferencing via a robot, Um, they scored correctly upwards to 65% of the time. In actuality, the robot was just a ruse. Like there wasn't, it was just them responding. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, sorry, in actuality, the robot was a ruse. It was not responding to the video conferencing player, but subtly amplifying the the study participants, tiny unconscious movements. It was significant how much better they did on these questions, um, Rensink says. If you don't think so, consider the difference playing roulette when the odds are 50-50 versus 65 and 35. So the implication is that one's unconscious mind is much smarter than anyone knew, and it's capable of pulling up bits of stored information not accessible to the conscious mind. So it's like we already know what we want the answers to be and we're like subtly moving our hands, fingers, you know, whatever over to the answers or the letters that'll give us the answers we want. Interesting. So I don't know. And, and these two, these two guys too, like that's what they said. They're like, uh, it's still kind of up in the air. One of them thinks that it is like a spiritual, like ghost spirit thing. And the other is like, eh, it's probably science or ourselves. Um, so that was a interesting duo. Um, and I can see, I mean, they both presented great information for both. Compelling arguments. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. (laughs) I I feel like I haven't used a Ouija board enough to, like, say one way or the other. But, yeah, I can definitely see both ways. Definitely want to try and get it done with somebody uh, you trust. Absolutely. And yeah, if anyone is having doubts or like they're scared, don't let them be a part of it. <laughs> Cause yeah, I will not be a part of it. Yeah. We'll have to get you unscared first. Also movies coming out called seance that I kind of want to check out. Have you heard of it? Uh, no? I don't know. Maybe. So you should Let's look see. at the preview. It looks interesting. It's like a, possibly horror movie maybe uh crime like uh what's it called murder mystery type Mm. uh movie it looks like it could be interesting i'll have to take a look okay so um yeah one of the last things that i kind of wanted to talk about is like i for this deep dive went dove deep and sacrificed myself for this podcast and i used a ouija board by yourself no oh 
<laughs> no, it was it was at this workshop. I didn't know that part of the workshop was like, okay, and now we're going to bust out some Ouija boards and you're going to use it. Um, so I guess I could have backed out, but I was also like, fuck it. So now I can officially say I've used a Ouija board, but let me let me tell you about it and then and then we'll discuss. And say that you'll never use one again. No. Oh. No, because now I need to. Um, and I'll tell you, <laughs> it'll make sense once I'm done why. Um, so basically, uh, the amount of people that were supposed to show up didn't show up. So it was a much smaller group. So we busted out into two different groups. Uh, and when they said, okay, well, we're actually going to use one. But they had us do this, these exercises where kind of to like get the energy like flowing i guess of the the group that we were in um and basically we had these little like tokens or coins that had numbers like i don't know one through 30 um and then we mixed them up and then split them between the three of us and then we could look at our tokens obviously the random numbers but what had to happen is if we had to guess like okay who has one and we couldn't look at each other we could not communicate we just had to like okay, I know I have one, so, like, I put one. And then the other person will, okay, I think I think I have, like, two. Now, the weird part was we removed some of those tokens. So we started with 30, and then we ended with, like, I don't know, 24. So there was some numbers that weren't in 1 through 30. So we had, I was like, okay, maybe we don't have 5 and 6. So 4, whoever has 8, has to guess, even though it's the 5th token does that make sense i think i lost you kind of yeah (laughs) um basically it was just an exercise to to get us to psychically like link and link yeah um but anyway you had to put the numbers in order face down like without knowing which number you actually had. Yeah. So like one, I'd be like, okay, I think I got one. You put it down. And then the person who thinks that they got two comes and puts it down. Well, But what you know that you have, you can look at your numbers. But when you're placing them on the table, you're placing them uh, like upside down, basically. So all you're seeing is random tokens coming down. And then at the very end, we would flip them all over and we could see like, okay, we had one, two, three, four. Ooh, and then we put eight. And then six is over here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't psychically, like, link up or we fucked up. Um, But the point of the exercise was so that, again, we could, I guess, kind of just, like, link up and talk to each other without actually talking to each other, communicate, um, and see if we can psychically get these numbers in order without um, actually being able to see them as we put them down on the table. But we can see them as we were holding them. I don't know how else to explain it. I think it would have mm-hmm. to be like, I have to show you. But uh, anyway, so we do that for a little bit. Uh, and I feel like it was this group of three, me and two other people. We had finally gotten into a groove. And then this fucking person shows up a half hour late to this fucking thing. And they're like, okay, well, you can be in that group, which is our group. And she had the most chaotic energy. I was already pissed because she showed up late. So I fucking hate when people are like super late. You know this. To be a half hour late to some to a seminar like this. Like already rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> and then and then she had this very like, uh, what? And like, yeah, like what's going on? And I was like, oh my God. 
fuck you. Super, like, like, you just... Crystal mommy vibes. Not even that. Very... Or is that derogatory? I don't know. Uh, but no, not not that. She was just... I don't know. She just had, like, a, this chaotic energy, like, to what we were... What we had already established, like literally felt like she threw a wrench in it kind of thing and then so they're like oh we'll start the exercise again and we had to like incorporate her into it but she didn't understand the rules of this thing and was confused and we had explained it to her and it just like threw off the vibe completely um and then it was time to use the board and i already knew i was like nothing's gonna happen because we are not like in in sync anymore and and sure enough, like the moment we're just trying to do an exercise of like everyone's putting their hands, like getting a feel for it. And like the chick's like sliding it, like pushing it. Like you can see like her fingers are like bending and it's like, you're not supposed, you're supposed to lightly touch, lightly touch. And we had to keep telling her that over and over again. And um, I was like, yeah, I had already kind of, I think, tuned out a little bit and was like, this isn't going to happen. Um, and it was, and it was super, honestly, like, we had like a list of questions like, oh, what's your name? When did you die? How did you die? How old are you? Like things like that. Um, and we started asking and it was, oh, I, I should have pulled this up. Um, but the only thing that made sense was for his name. Oh, because this was the other stupid thing is we had all said we're going to use the point to identify the letters and we're getting all these random like letters and numbers. She's like, oh, I thought we were looking through the window. I'm like, we're on our fifth fucking question and you're barely just realizing that we're using the pointing. Like, again, she's just not there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, his name was Vlad. Like he spelled out V-L-A-D. And then we're like, Vlad? And he went back again, V-L-A-D. But then it was like, how did you die? And he misspelled first it was like forced i think or fort Forest. oh it was it was like fort almost like forts but no i'm trying to remember how he spelled it it basically was like a, it looked like a, a misspelling and then we're like trying to say like fort like forest yeah like throwing numbers and it's like no no and then we're like again how did you die and he goes back into the like the f-i-r-s-t and he finally spells out first and we're like first what and then it just like was chaos like it didn't feel like it was doing anything and then it just goes goodbye and i just slid to goodbye i was like man fuck this shit that's literally exactly what i said i'm like he is so annoyed because he's trying to communicate and we cannot get on the same fucking page and he's like fuck this and he just like that's literally what it felt like eric like he was like fuck fuck this and was like fucking idiots and just said goodbye and then we're like ours just said goodbye like what do we do (laughs) and he's like um Uh, your time's up you can go yeah no he's like no just like try again like ask another question and i think we asked this you know try to ask the same thing like how did you die um and it started just doing like random stuff and then it was just like goodbye like and it was crazy like you could feel that drag of like goodbye um and i at that point i was like yeah i think we're we're done we're not really gonna get anything out of him because i feel like we can't get on the same we're not on the same page um and i didn't trust 
that's the thing is like I didn't trust really anybody else that was there. Mostly that girl, yeah. But I don't I didn't know the other three people. So it's like trying to do something that I feel like you need to be energetically connected, like all on the same page. Um or else you're not gonna and this kind of goes into something I didn't get to go into of, of like a theory of how the Ouija board works, which I'll I'll probably talk about, you know, in the future, but this episode's already gonna go pretty long. Um, but yeah, it was, it was Vlad, he was like 96,000 years old and he was first to die. But, but as I was leaving, I was like, wait, wasn't Vlad the Impaler the first vampire? I was like, are we speaking to Vlad? Yeah. I mean, that's the, literally the. First thing that popped in my head when you said Vlad, and they're like, "How'd you die?" I was impaled, even though I know he wasn't. But, yeah, because uh, I was thinking Vlad the Impaler. That's yeah. the person that came to my mind. Yeah, and and I meant to go back because I took a picture of like the notes that we took, and I wanted to see if I can make sense of some of the gibberish and whatnot. But uh, it, it very much did kind of feel like gibberish um, mixed in with like a couple of clear answers, I guess. Um, but yeah, so all that to say, like, it was like a bad first time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So like, I want to try it again, but with like a group of people that I trust. Cause I think that there could be better, be better results. Um, and it's like this, these guys are saying too, like, if you're putting out fear and anxiety, like you're going to get back, you know, that fear and anxiety in the form of a supposed demon and the Ouija board kind of thing. But if you're like, all right, yeah, like this is fun. There was one thing that they said, they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, like just, you know, grab a few drinks and like bust out the Ouija board. I'm like, absolutely not. That is one thing that I'll never do is drink or be under the influence kind of thing. And you like any form of spirit com- communication, whether it was a Ouija board or a um, like fucking pendulum or anything like that. Like I, defenses are down. just don't do it um and then obviously guys out there like if you guys are gonna guys girls whatever uh if you're gonna use ouija board please be safe whether that's you know lighting a candle um saying a prayer in the beginning and at the end like close out that session make sure you put a bubble of protection around you before you even start like i created my whole little army of my ancestors and people that you know I love and deities and angels and all these people that I called in because I was like no I'm not gonna fuck around with this whatever is here we're gonna try and communicate but you're staying here and nothing's coming home with me and I very much felt safe and protected and didn't I didn't have any sort of weird creeped out vibe at all whatsoever the whole time I was there um it was very much like a learning experience so that was was pretty cool well, thanks for that information. Uh, yeah, it was a like lot. I said, some of the, yeah, some of the stuff I, I definitely heard about. Um, I didn't know about the science part of it. Uh, I don't know. It's just like you said; it's just gotten a bad rap. So I still just trying to get that uh, that negativity out of yeah. that preconceived notion of what it is and what it you know what it represents out of your head. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I really do think that that's all it is. Like, like I said, the, those D 
dudes made a good point when they're like, okay, if we've been using Ouija boards, especially the capacity is that they were in the late 1800s, early 1900s, like where were all the possessions? Like mm-hmm. there should be countless reports about how all these kids were getting possessed. But hurts from because the Catholic shit. Church has kept them under wraps. Maybe, could be. But and that's not to say, guys, like, oh, go use a Ouija board, uh, all willy-nilly. All nonchalant. But, yeah, but just be smart about it. Don't be dumb. That's what they need. Just like with any form of yeah. divination. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying don't do it. Just do it correctly, <laughs> safely. Smart. Practice safe communication with spirits. All right, guys, if you'd like to contact us, check out our website at webelievedyou.com on the website. There's a tab where you can find all our social media, such so make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook or Instagram. There's also a listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite podcast listening site, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five-star rating on Apple, which helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And if you leave a review, we'll read it here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of designs on t-shirts, caps, and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. There's also a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if y'all want to reach us besides DMing us on social media, you can click on the contact us tab where you can write in telling us that you want to be interviewed. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want. You can also send in your stories for our stories of strangeness and any... uh, topics for our deep dives and if you send them in in spanish we can translate those for you as well so don't be shy guys share your stories with us because we believe do you 